All right, Albert, uh, boring question number one, and then we'll get into the good stuff. Uh, tell me, tell me your franchise story. How did you fall into franchising? My goodness. Uh, I fell into franchising. The second business I ever started, uh, was, uh, along with a partner, a group led fitness business. Um, and we took this single business that was operated out of the back of a martial arts school. Uh, so it was, was by no means glamorous, but we built this fitness program that was bursting at the seams. And this is about, uh, my goodness, this is about 12 years ago already. And, um, we decided that the way that we were going to grow, we've had members that were just feeling great about themselves. They're changing their bodies to this fitness program. They said, we, we would love to open one of these locations. Do you franchise? And we were like, what the heck are you talking about? No way. I don't franchise, but you know, one thing led to another. We talked to the right people. We uh, found attorneys. We went to, you know, all the classes and the conferences and we developed an FDD. Uh, so from scratch, you know, I started a, a franchise organization about, you know, 12, 13 years ago. Okay. So where does, where does that story go? Cause it's obvious you're not in fitness anymore. <laughs> no. So where does uh, that story go? And certainly if you saw my gut, you would definitely know I'm not in fitness anymore. Um, but, uh, so from there, you know, my partner and I scaled that business up to about 65 franchise locations. Um, and, um, I was at a juncture where uh, both him and I honestly were just very similarly in our skill set. So we decided to part ways uh, and uh, left on good terms. And uh, I was looking to join an organization at the time. So this is now about nine years ago. Um, I was looking to join an organization that I could uh, be a kind of a follower instead of a leader. Uh, I wanted to join an organization where I could learn. Nine years ago, I was still in my 20s. And so, um, you know, knowing that I was young in my career, I wanted to follow a blueprint and I also wanted to join an organization that had tremendous upside and growth opportunity. And that's when I joined Floor Coverings International. So I've been here for just about nine years. Um, and, you know, so our brand is uh, owned by a publicly traded entity. I mean, today we've got 200 plus franchisees, um, but we still have a lot of growth to go. So the, the chops and the know-how combined with the growth opportunity, uh, that was the perfect fit for me. Did you hold on to equity as a part of the end of your fitness story? No, at that time we, we parted ways. Uh, so I didn't hold on to it after the point that I parted, uh, parted ways. No. I mean, that's that, for you to go through that in your twenties. I mean, that, that probably teaches you a lot about business and, and whether, whether that comes into play as you as a business operator later on in life or not, I mean, that probably helped guide the next nine years of your life. Like you knew um, what the good, the bad and the ugly felt like. And, uh, especially in, you know, in partner scenarios there, it's, it's hard to make them work too. Yeah. And that was my, so the, the fortunately for, for me, I mean, that was my second go around is starting a business. So I, before that I started a business while I was in college. Um, and I, you know, I, it was an online ordering platform for uh, where I went to school at Rutgers university. Um, and then, uh, we, I grew that business, uh, multi-million dollars in sales processed uh, on an annual basis. And, uh, so the, the, the good news for me was that I, I feel like, yeah, certainly at a young age, I went through two really unique experiences uh, that most people don't get until they're later in life when they decide to strike out on their own and be an entrepreneur. So, um, yeah, and both of which I lucked into. It just just completely fell into it. Uh, I'm not a I'm not an entrepreneur by by nature, by blood. My parents were entrepreneurs. Uh, it just kind of happened. 
So how does the psychological shift go from, I mean, you're, you're doing the reverse of what you're encouraging franchisees to do. You went yeah. from on my own to working for the man and you're encouraging people to go from working for the man to, to on their own. Psychologically, was it hard to shift the mindset back to, well, wait a second, you have a boss after doing those first two businesses? Um, you know, it's a really good question. Uh, I never really looked at it that way. So I'll tell you, I'll tell you for myself personally, when I joined Floor Coverings International, my mindset was I'm going to join an organization uh, where I'm going to learn and be a student for three to four years from the people that, you know, built industries at California Closets and built the largest painting company at Serta Pro Painters. These same folks, you know, started and then took over the ownership of Floor Coverings International. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go learn from the best uh, and for three years. And then I'm going to go do it on my own. Uh, that was my plan when I joined Floor Coverings International. Uh, then two things happened to me uh, that have me still here. Uh, number one is the culture of the organization and the team. Even though I have a boss, I never really felt like I, I have a boss. I, I get have a ton of autonomy in my role. Um, I am passionate about building things and we're building a brand here. Um, and then number two, uh, this is kind of where it all ties everything together here. Um, I was given an opportunity to become an equity partner here at Floor Coverings International a handful of years ago. Uh, so the building plus the equity play for me is back in place. Uh, and so that's what kind of changed my plan a little bit. And I, I couldn't be happier because I absolutely love what I'm doing. And I love the team and I love the opportunity we have here. Well, I, I almost wish I could have a, a side window where I could ask leadership this question. But a lo long time ago, I wrote, uh, wrote a column titled catch the entrepreneur before he catches you hmm. and the point of it was in in my journey i worked for someone else and i i wanted desperately to be uh, a part of their system uh and they failed to catch me over and over and over again and eventually i said you know what i'm gonna go do it on my own and i'm, I'm gonna make it better and i'm gonna make it bigger and so i went through that process they couldn't catch me and here in a very rare scenario, and, and look, your your blueprint was there, whether you want to say that you were an entrepreneur or not. You had two businesses, you said multi-million the first one, you scaled, you took listened to your your customers and turned into franchise and scaled it to 65 locations on the second one. You're entrepreneur. An entrepreneur has wealth aspirations that are larger than typical employee aspirations and it's not it's not wrong or different it's just it's just it is what it is and so here leadership said culturally we're aligned you're proving your model uh we're going to give you a piece of the pie so that you get to reap the benefits as we continue to reap yours uh, on the impact that you're making to the business like how do those conversations even come around uh, so my goodness. Uh, so I, I always knew it was something unique that the, the, the brand did. Uh, and so when I, it was no secret when I joined, I wasn't promised anything. I wasn't told I was, if I did X, Y, or Z, I would become an equity partner, but I always knew it was there. And, um, and again, that wasn't my intention when I joined the organization. Um, but, uh, when I started to really understand how this team operated and those people do business and um, how we launch franchise owners to success, um, you know, I took my work a little bit more seriously. And I kind of, I, I sit up the extra nights. I treated myself even before I was a partner, I treated my work day like I was a partner. And, um, uh, and then I also then made it known that, hey, I know that this is an opportunity. I'd love to be part of the leadership team and I'd love to be part of the equity group. Uh, at the time, there was only three folks that there are four folks that had equity uh, in the brand. Um, and um, 
And so I made it known. So I'm, I'm a believer in if, if, if you if you put it out there, whatever it is that you want in life, you know, you say it out loud and, and you tell the right people and you're not shy about it. You don't sit on your hands um, and then you do what you have to to achieve what it is that you put out there in the world, that there's a good chance that that thing happens. Uh, and so uh, luckily enough for me, Tom, who's our CEO, and then the rest of the executive group uh, felt that it was the right move. And, and again, I couldn't be more fortunate as I've seen this organization, uh, you know, triple in the last couple of years yeah i mean i personally i keep on telling myself i i want to dunk a basketball and i say it out loud <laughs> but for whatever reason i just can't get the ball over the hoop you gotta practice jumping nick you gotta <laughs> you gotta get out there every day with your with your box jump <laughs> <laughs> okay so so now like the reality is not now the story starts connecting back to to franchise owners because ultimately they are if, if they are having an equity play because they're now taking a leap and owning their own business. How is that translated over to franchise development and how is that going from from growing the business? So the you know at the end of the day you know when we speak to a franchise a prospective franchise owner because that's my role here in leading our franchise development team. Um, so when we speak to a prospective franchise owner, equity is usually a really strong reason why they're looking at uh, starting a business. Another reason would be lifestyle, freedom, flexibility, make my own schedule, call my own shots, take off. I want to take off. Uh, certainly, income replacements another one um, and. At the end of the day, this model, you know, certainly I don't think anybody wakes up in the morning and, you know, to be say that I wanted to become a business, a flooring business owner. Certainly when you're a kid, you know, it's astronaut, fireman, professional athlete, and it's not flooring company owner. I'll tell you that much. Uh, right. But um, the, the couple of unique. I'm going to see if we can come back. If you can hear me, whatever, whatever just hit your, your volume, totally destroy you. I'm going to try one more time. That, what happened there, Nick? Wait, Are we good? Back. Yeah. Uh, you, you had, it was like a, like a, like a Bob Barker memory buzzer that just went off on your sound, but now we're good. No way. All right. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to change my mic here because I don't want that to happen again. Uh, so I'm just going to, and uh, hopefully the audio is just as good. But um, I right now let's see. Okay, yeah, let's let's see. Is is this good too? You hear me? Good, good enough. I, I would rather be able to hear you than than lose you. So keep going. Okay, great, excellent. So um, so again, the reasons why people buy a franchise are all the things that I just mentioned, and the unique thing about our model is that we're very e easily able to show folks how by not having brick and mortar and being mobile, the lifestyle, freedom, flexibility, pick your calendar is there by being extremely scalable, where with a small number of employees, you can build a multi-million dollar business, the equity play is there. And then certainly along with that, the income play is there. So, um, you know, th this business is more so a vehicle to folks' dreams as it is somebody waking up wanting to be in the flooring business. So what, what does success look like in, in a 2023? Like, how are you judged from a let's grow the franchise standpoint? And how are you doing against that that judgment? Uh, so uh, we came into this year with some pretty aggressive growth goals. Um, you know, we uh, have been around organizationally for 30 years. Parent companies own the brand for about 15 years. Um, and uh, we've spent the last, I'd say, I'd say about 12 years, really define, redefining who we are, uh, nailing down our systems, you know, getting the technology right, getting the product vendor relationships right, you know, doing all of the things 
to then be ready to put the foot on the gas uh, fully down on franchise development. So that was Mia setting the table just to give you this quick answer. 90 new units this year. That's not territories. That's not it's individual new franchisees. Uh, that was the goal uh, that we're right on track to be bringing it. So it's it's a really exciting growth time for us. Here. Have you seen an evolution in who the franchise buyer is? I mean, I have the numbers up on the screen. I mean, this yeah. is not this is not a typical home based business. Like this is this is real business. Correct. Yeah. So that that we have seen an evolution, and it wasn't because of a market or it wasn't because of a trend. It was quite intentional. You know, to your point, the I'll call it old school legacy uh, home service business where you know you're you're operating out of your house. Uh, sometimes we call it chuck in a truck, man in a van. That's the right business for some people. There's nothing wrong with that. But that was our model, uh, you know, originally. So going back, you know, before the parent company bought the brand, and then our first few years of taking the business over before we started making some wholesale changes. One of the wholesale changes we made was we saw how scalable our business was. We saw how big and fragmented the industry was. And we said, this business needs to be an executive level enterprise business. Um, and so we quite intentionally did a 180 on the type of operator that we wanted in the business, where we went from saying, hey, you could be a man in a van, make a pretty good money, but travel around your flooring van all day to no, you can make excellent money and build a huge business by leading people. And that's more of the person that we're looking for right now. All right. If you were to push play on what you just said and set it back to yourself, how do you not get into this business as a franchisee? <laughs> um, let's see. I'll t uh, uh, it's hard work. Uh, so, you know, uh, you know, certainly it's, it's not a, it sounds real sexy and easy when, when I talk about it, but you know, you, you gotta be able to roll up your sleeves and get into it and get started. Um, and, um, it's not for everybody in the sense that, you know, we're, our franchise owners are out there in people's homes. You know, they're at BNI meetings, networking groups, chamber of commerce. They're shaking hands, building relationships with builders and interior designers and real estate agents. Sometimes that's just outside of folks' skill sets. Uh, and that's OK. But when I speak to somebody who those types of things excite them, building a team and then, you know, creating relationships and being out in people's homes, if that gets their blood flowing, man, you know, they become floor coverings, international franchise owners. For sure. I mean, you you created a, a online ordering solution in college and a, a group fitness gym thing in the back of a, a of a martial arts facility. I mean, if you had to create a persona of a buyer, I mean, you sound like you'd fit great. But I mean, I, I'm joking about it. But like the reality is, I would imagine it has crossed your mind, which is actually a probably a positive thing, because you you think about like, all right, I I. I have to believe in what the business is too. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think so. For me personally, um, I'll tell you the, the honest to goodness truth. If I personally didn't have an equity position here and I decided that my next move was to become a franchise owner and I wanted to be in the home services space, I wanted to be in home improvement, this would be the brand that I would absolutely choose. And it has more so to do with what, in my opinion, is the most underrated factor in somebody choosing a franchise and it's the community of individuals and people that the organization makes up and, and I, I don't just mean the corporate team you know a lot of people investigating franchise opportunities they go oh what is the corporate team going to do for me what are they like but i also mean the network of peers that i would have if i became a franchise owner here the fellow franchisees uh, and the support that they give each other i've never seen anything like it this community is unbelievable Okay, so take that message, and I, I I like the I like the aha moments in a in a conversation. 
what you just said is your why you why now you just talk about the culture of community of lookalike franchisees that all have each other's backs it's nowhere to be found on your website now you're not having a problem selling because you're a really good business model but man if you were to lift that up now all of a sudden you just identified a why you why now like everybody can say like disrupt insert industry with our business mm. set the culture and that you've established it. And you just told me why you would buy into it. Like oftentimes the answer is right in front of you. Again, like you don't have a set sales issue. So I, I usually say like it's for stalled out or stuck franchisors. You have to go back and look at your messaging and positioning. Eventually, mm. because of the size and scale of your business, you're going to run out of prime territories. And now you're going to have to figure out how do, how do we tell the story in other markets? At that point, you might want to take play, push play on this take that message and put it because you you know what what's selling and you probably know how to when you're talking to a candidate you know what's selling but part of the challenge is making sure that the candidate even fills out that form so you have an opportunity to talk with them so that's a great point you're 100 right all right so let's end on this there's someone who's watched it so far obviously we just we just hit a big moment but what else do you want them to know about the opportunity that might push them over the edge well i mean I, for me it's a uh, huge industry really different we are disrupting the industry in the way that we're approaching it um and it's kind of like you're getting on board an organization at the most i'd call it formative years uh you know at the moment that we're in about 250 franchise owners um we have enough critical mass where we've begun to do brand marketing tv radio things of that nature we've got 23 marketing cooperatives and groups of franchise owners that have begun this work across North America. Um, however, we've begun it. So we're on the cusp of becoming the household name brand. So a lot of times when people look at a franchise organization, they say, hey, where's my Super Bowl ad, right? Where's my subway recognition? And we all know in the industry that like, that's, you know, that, that's just not something that's realistic to expect. It shouldn't be at the top of somebody's list. But that is something that people think of right away when they think of, okay, what's it mean to be part of a franchise organization? But usually, when that's if that's really important to you, usually you missed the boat already, right? I mean, good luck getting a subway in a prime territory right now, right? Um, well, for us, we're starting that, you know, that journey. We still have prime territory open and we have a proven playbook. Again, we've done this already at California Closets, which created an industry, Certa Pro Painters, Paul Davis Restoration. Um, we're just following their, their, their game plan. And, uh, it's, it's just a really exciting time here. Now here, here's, here's the last big dumb idea yeah. at the next Super Bowl, you, you hire a social media coordinator to count the number of floors that show up in commercials. And then you say like, you put out the press release that you actually calculated that floors represented X percent of Super Bowl commercials. And then you're there. Franchise it's a whole, I, mean, I think it'd be every one because right. we're all bound by gravity. And I think every single commercial, somebody would be standing or sitting on a floor. Right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> so you win. Your franchisees are happy. That's it. <laughs> well, good stuff, Albert. Thanks for sharing your story. Appreciate it. And I think you have a fantastic story that probably connects really nicely with the franchise buyers. I think it's, uh, it's scary to make that leap. And when you can talk about your journey, uh, that clearly makes them feel more uh, confident. So thanks for sharing your story. Um, for Albert, I'm Nick. This is another episode of Meet the Zor.